turn in your Bible to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I'm not sure <clears throat> whether I will be able to get to all the scriptures that I have on my heart tonight. But I want to talk about how to know for sure you're going to heaven. Down in Mexico this summer, we studied the wordless book. At least some of the groups studied the wordless book. The wordless book begins with, uh, it's just a book with blank pages. The first page is gold. And we talk about heaven. The second page is black. We talk about sin. The third page is red. We talk about how the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all sin. The next page is, I think, blue, white, white. And that page reminds us of the purity that comes into our hearts when we receive Christ as our Savior. Then the next page is blue, which stands for obedience and baptism. And then the next page is green, which stands for growing in the Lord. But notice the first page, heaven, the page of gold. And we remind people that the Bible in Revelation 21 speaks of streets of gold. Jesus gives us gold character. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. So many of the songs we sing are about heaven. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing, but oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. And Revelation 21 tells us that over in heaven, everything is new. Old things are passed away. And over there, there's no night. They don't need the sun or the moon because Jesus himself is the light of that city. And over there, they don't have any practicing doctors. I'm sure there are some doctors there, but they're not practicing medicine because nobody ever gets sick. And over there, they don't have any funeral homes because nobody ever dies. And over there, there are no cemeteries because nobody ever gets buried. And Jesus said, there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, and no more death, and God himself wipes the tears away from our eyes. Almost everybody wants to go to heaven. You ask the Buddhist, they believe that there's some kind of a heaven. You ask the Orthodox Jew, he believes there's some kind of heaven. You ask the Muslims, they believe there's life after death, some kind of heaven. You believe the new, you ask the New Age movement, they talk about reincarnation. So do the Hindus and so on. They're all talking about something later on. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's not a Buddhist way. 
and a Confucius way and a Muslim way and a Catholic way and a Baptist way and a Methodist way. There's only one way. It's the way of the cross. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I will ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. And Jesus said to a good man, a religious leader, a Jew of the Jews, a man who went to church regularly every Saturday, who tithed his income, who was a good father, an honest man, Jesus said, you must be born again. Isn't that disarming? He says that to the Baptist. He says that to the Catholic. He says that to the Methodist. He says that to Confucius. He says that to the Muslim. He says that to the whole world. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, do you mean, sir, that I must be born from my mother's womb all over again? And Jesus said, except a man be born of the water, the natural birth is the water birth. The older doctors used to speak of the breaking of the water when birth was about to occur. That's the water birth, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Just because we have godly parents or godly grandparents or because somebody way back in our line was a preacher, that's not enough. Every generation must be born again. There are no second generation Christians. God is not a grandpa. He's a heavenly father. He's a father to those who will believe upon him and trust him. The, Jesus said one day, you're of your father the devil. Those who are not saved, listen carefully. Those who have never been born again are of their father the devil. You're not a child of God. Just because you're a Baptist, just because you're a church member, does not mean that you're on your way to heaven. There are some Baptists who are still children of the devil. There are some Catholics that are still children of the devil. There are some Methodists that are still children of the devil. I was a Methodist and was a child of the devil. Didn't even know it. Went to a mourner's bench. Nobody showed me from the Bible what to do. I didn't do anything. Still lost. There's only one way. That's the way of the cross. The psalmist said, Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Will you turn while you hold your finger in 1 John 5 and turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Listen to this. The law of the Lord is perfect, beginning in verse 7 converting the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. The commandments of the Lord is pure, 
enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Remember, moreover, by them, that is the word of God, the covenant of God, the commandments of God, is thy servant warned. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, the Bible warns you. There are not three ways to go to heaven. There are not two ways. There's not a Baptist way and a Catholic way and some other way. There's only one way. And your servant is warned by what the Word of God says. And it says, and in keeping of them, there is great reward. Well, how do you keep what the Word of God says? Jesus said, you must be born again. When I was a boy, I didn't understand that expression. And I'm so thankful I had a faithful pastor who explained it. Nicodemus didn't understand what it meant to be born again. And he said, do you mean I have to become a little baby and be born from my mother's womb all over? And Jesus said, no, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he can't enter heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And Nicodemus said, well, I don't understand that. And so the Lord with great patience said, Nicodemus, do you remember when the Jews sinned against God? And God allowed a poisonous plague of snakes to come on the Jews. And many of the Jews were being bitten and were dying from the snake bites. And they came to Moses and said, Moses, pray for us. Do something. And Moses prayed and God said, Moses, you make a brass image of a serpent, put it up on a post way out in the wilderness. And you say to those Jews, when you're bitten by a snake, if you'll look up, at that brass image and believe my promise and believe my promise and believe my promise and believe my promise. It wasn't the look, it was the believing of the promise. And believe my promise, you'll not die. So Moses put that serpent way up in the wilderness and came back and said to the Jews, when you're bitten, if you'll look up and believe God's promise, you'll not die. Some of them said, well, I don't feel like looking today. And they died. They were waiting for a feeling. Some of them said, well, I'm just not ready. They died. They were waiting for a feeling. Some of them said, well, I'm going to go down here to the river and baptize my snake bite. They went down there and baptized their snake bite, and they died. Some of them said, well, I'm just going to do the best I can. I'm going to get some herbs and run on my, rub on my snake bite, and I'll be all right. And they died. But some of them said, wait a minute, I don't understand it. Seems awful simple to me, but God said if I'd look and believe his promise, I would not die. They looked, and they believed God's promise. And the moment they believed, they were healed. Jesus said, Nicodemus, that's it. Just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up on an old rugged cross, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What does it mean to believe in him? It means to trust him. It means to put all your weight upon him. It means to believe that what he did on the cross was enough to save you. After the service this morning, 
a precious man came with tears and said, I, I'm not saved. I'd like to be saved. And we showed him from the Bible how to be saved. We knelt back there. And the best way he knew how, he called on Jesus to come into his heart and ask him to save him. When we finished, I said to him, are you trusting Jesus as your Savior right now? He said, I am. Then I said, if you know you're saved and you're trusting him, take my hand and say, I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior, if you mean it. He took my hand. He said, I'm trusting Jesus. Then he went over to his daughter and hugged her and both of them cried. He wasn't saved by the tears. He wasn't saved by the church. He wasn't saved by being baptized. He was saved by putting his trust in Christ. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Now, in 1 John chapter 5, beginning with verse 11, we read a little bit of it a while ago. Listen to this. And this is the record. That's what the Bible says. And I want to tell you, I believe what the Bible says. I told our Sunday school class this morning, maybe I said to the church, I don't know, but years ago, I'd gotten confused about a lot of things and spent a little while as an agnostic. Wasn't that awful? Awful. I'm ashamed of it. Ashamed to even say it. I hardly ever tell you that. And when I regained the balance of my mind, I knew that I was substituting a thus saith my mind for a thus saith the Lord, and I got alone with God. And I said, Lord, I'm going to believe the Word, the Bible, and I'm going to preach it, it like, like it says here. And if I'm wrong, you correct me in heaven. But that's what I'm going to do. And all these years, I've just believed the Bible. I believed the Bible when it said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Only believe. It's the confidence we place in what God says. Not how I feel, but what God says. Now listen to this. In 1 John 5, 11, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. I have a copy of music up here. Let's say that uh, this represents eternal life. And this represents Jesus. That scripture says, this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that has not the Son has not life. You can't get more simple than that. Now listen on. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It is God's plan for us to know. We cannot be powerful, spirit-filled Christians if we do not know we're saved. We're not going to have soul-winning power if we don't know we're saved. There was a little old lady that lived up near Lake Erie and years ago she took a little trip out on the lake and met a Christian and out on the lake 
Sometimes on Lake Erie there comes up a storm and the boat began to rock and uh, everybody got scared to death and they were wringing their hands and pulling their hair and some were going down, some of them were praying, they didn't know what to do. But this little old lady sat on the deck in a chair reading her Bible. And somebody came by and said, uh, lady, how come while everybody else is crying and moaning and pulling their hair and wringing their hands, you just sit there reading your Bible? Well, she said, it's like this. She said, I have a daughter in heaven. And she said, if the boat goes down, I'll be there. It doesn't make any difference whether I get back to shore or go to heaven. I'm safe in the arms of Jesus. Now, do you have that kind of confidence tonight? Confidence in Him. There are four reasons people question their salvation, maybe five. Number one, a false idea of what salvation is. Some people believe you're saved by your works. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is desperate, the wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Baptism, communion, confession, the sacraments, prayer, these things don't save you. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Then there are the perfectionists. Those who say you can live above sin. And if you don't live above sin, you're not saved. And they quote that verse, no sin can enter heaven. And then in 1 John 3, 9, anyone that is born of God does not sin. And they say, see there, if you sin, you couldn't be saved. You have to live above sin. They also overlook the fact that the Bible says, in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. You and I have an old tabernacle that is prone to sin. But when we give our heart to Jesus Christ, Jesus has already paid for all that sin on the cross. The wages of sin is death. Jesus took it all. We tried to say that in the, in the service this morning. When Jesus was dying on the cross, God turned his back and Jesus suffered hell for you and me. He suffered separation from God for you and me. None of us have ever experienced that. We have the sunshine and the rain and the wind and the food and everything that God gives us. Even the agnostic and the atheist has the same thing. He may say, I don't believe there's any hell. He's never tasted it. Jesus tasted it for us. And when you put your faith in Christ, you put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross as enough for you, enough punishment for your sin. That was it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. And in that passage in 1 John 3, 9, look at it carefully a minute. Just flip, flip over there. Look what it says. <clears throat> Chapter 3, verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now in the Greek New Testament, in the book of John, 1 John, all those verbs are in the progressive tense. So that's really saying 
Whosoever is born of God doth not continually commit the same old sins. For his seed remaineth in him, he cannot go on in the sins because he is born of God. Now, if you say you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, and you can go on in your same old sins and God doesn't bother you, God doesn't discipline you. Like Dr. Smith preached the other night, God doesn't bring his wrath upon you. He doesn't whip you. You can be sure you're not saved. A person that's saved and he gets out of fellowship with God and he gets into sin, God's going to whip him. Hebrews chapter 12, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye be without chastisement, where all the Lord partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. In John 10, Jesus told about some crawling into the sheepfold some other way. And they're not saved. But if you come by the way of the cross, and you put your trust in what Jesus did, not you, not your feelings, not how good you feel, not how many sins you've overcome, not how many churches you joined or how many times you got baptized, but all to Jesus. You've trusted Him. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he was not baptized. No. Because he didn't live a perfect life. No. Because he didn't join the right church. No. Because he believed not on the name of the Son of God. Secondly, people doubt their salvation because of the lack of assurance of a definite experience. You see other people that were saved and they have a big experience. They weep, they cry, they laugh, they jump up and down. They have an emotional experience and upheaval in their hearts and you say, well, I didn't have that kind of experience. Miss Ivy Robinson knows the man I'm talking about, Glenn Ray Johnson. Years ago, over at Rocky Springs, we were in a revival meeting, preached all week, very little happened. On the second Monday night, I noticed this young man, I had spoken to him already, told me he wasn't saved. I noticed him at the invitation, he was hanging on to the pew. Young man, 17 years of age, football player in high school. After the service, we spoke to him and asked if we could talk to him a moment. Brother Charles Harris was the pastor then. We went into a back room and we showed him from the Bible how to be saved. And all of a sudden, that young man turned loose. He asked Christ to come into his heart. He began to weep and to cry. We went, and he said he was trusting Christ. We went out in the auditorium. Half the congregation had remained there. And when we, when we told them that Glenn Ray had trusted Christ, there was shouting and weeping and crying. All the people in the congregation had been praying for him. I didn't know that. Others didn't know it, but that was the way it was. In just a few minutes, two girls came forward. They said, we're not saved. So Brother Charles took them over here to a side bench and explained to them how to be saved. That they were saved through faith in Christ. After a little while, they said, well, we didn't have the same experience that Glenn Ray had but we trusted Jesus. And they gained the assurance of their salvation that night. The doubt was because they didn't experience the same thing Glenn Ray did. 
I want to tell you, the different types of experience we have is not the decision whether we're saved or not. It all has to do with whether you've trusted Christ. Put your faith in Him. Sink or swim, live or die, heaven or hell. I'm trusting in Jesus. And then I <clears throat> think of the blind men in the Bible. There were three blind men that were healed. One Jesus spoke to. The other he touched. The other he spit in the clay and made an anointing and put on his eyes. I can just imagine those three blind men getting together a year or two later. And one saying, you know what? Jesus did for me. He spit in the clay and anointed my eyes and I can see and I'm so grateful. Well, suppose one of the guys says, well, he didn't do that for me. All he did was just speak to me. And I guess I thought I could see. Maybe I can't really see. I didn't get my sight the way you did. You say that sounds silly, but there are a lot of people who look at it that way. They think if I didn't have the experience somebody else had, then I must not be saved. It is not the experience, it is the commitment. Sink or swim, live or die, I'm trusting Jesus. Here's a chair. I believe that chair can hold me, but it isn't holding me. What do I have to do to get it to hold me? Well, I can look at it all day and say, I believe that chair will hold me. I'm almost positive it will hold me. I think it can hold me, but it doesn't hold me until I get up on it. Now I'm trusting. I'm trusting. I'm not scared it's going to fall. I'm trusting. That's what it means to trust Jesus. It means to put your faith in Him so completely that no matter what, you're trusting Jesus. Just Him. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. These things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Harry Ironside was pastor of Moody Memorial Church for many years. When he was a young boy, 12 or 13, maybe 14, he was under conviction. He knew he needed to be saved. His mother told him, if you'll go upstairs and get along with the Bible and read John the third chapter, God will tell you how to be saved. He went up there and read that chapter. He got to verse 16. Whosoever believeth on him shall not, uh, be, shall not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. He got up from his seat, from his bed, and he said, Lord, I believe. He looked out the window. The leaves were still the same color. He didn't feel any different. He got back down on his knees and prayed again. Got back up, still didn't feel any different. He got back down again and he said, now Lord, one of us is a liar. Even your, either your book is a lie or I'm a liar. He said, I trust you as my savior right now. He stood up, still no, no emotion, no feeling. He went downstairs, he put his arm around his mother and said, mother, I just trusted Jesus. And she began to cry there came an emotion in her heart, his heart. The next Sunday he went to church. He could hardly wait for the preacher to give the invitation. When he did, he came forward and he said, Preacher, I trusted Christ as my Savior the other day. 
And he stood in the line. People came by and rejoiced with him. Oh, he said, this is wonderful. I, I began to feel a little bit, but I know I'm saved just because I trusted Christ. The next week, he was baptized. He said, when I came up out of that water, I knew I had obeyed the Lord, and by faith, I had done what God told me to do. He said, I've never had another doubt. I'm trusting Jesus. That's Harry Ironside. He didn't have any big feeling when he gave his heart to Christ. I want to tell you, some have a big feeling that others do not. You cannot gauge your faith on somebody else. Now, there's another reason people doubt their salvation. That is unworthy living. You know, David was a shepherd boy that wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Later in his life, he fell to the temptation of lust. He committed adultery. And then he covered it up by having that woman's husband killed on the battlefield. Everything seemed to be all right. He was miserable. Every time he heard a dog bark, he was scared to death. And then Nathan came. And Nathan told the illustration about a man having a big farm and lots of herds and lots of cattle. He had a visitor, and he went across the road to his little tenant farmer and got the little lamb they had as a pet and killed it for dinner. And King David got so mad, he said, the man ought to die. Nathan said, thou art the man. And David, because he was a Christian, a Christian committing adultery, a Christian having somebody put to death, a Christian, because he was a Christian, he got down on his knees. He said, Lord, against thee and thee only have I done this. God, be merciful to me. Cleanse me. Wash me in thy hyssop. Then I will teach transgressors thy way. Rejoice, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Unworthy living can make you doubt your salvation. You live away from Christ. You let sin get in your life. Pretty soon you're going to be wondering, am I really saved? You neglect. See, the Bible says in Hebrews 3, 2, 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You neglect by leaving church out, by leaving Bible out, by leaving prayer out. You neglect the sin of prayerlessness, the sin of failing to go to God's house. Somebody said, well, that's not a sin. Sure it is. This book says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. It's a sin. You say, can you go to heaven, still be a Christian and not go to church? Well, I guess you could. I don't know. But who'd want to try? Who'd want to say, now, Lord, I went all through life. I thought I trusted you as my Savior, but I never had any interest in church. I didn't go to church. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't pray. I didn't do anything. Let me into your heaven. I don't know whether your heart's been changed or not. God may not know either. 
You see, there are evidences of salvation. Your want to changes. You'll want to go to God's house. You'll want to read the Bible. You may not understand it all. You'll want to live a godly life. And when you sin, it'll hurt your heart. It'll hurt your heart. You curse, you swear, you get eaten up with lust, you get on the bottle, you get into sin. If you're saved, your heart will bother you. If you're not saved, you can go on living like that. And in hell, you'll be there forever. Let me go on. I'll be through in a moment. Unworthy living. Failure to obey is a fourth reason people that doubt their salvation. Years ago, I was in a revival meeting at Providence Knob. And uh, there was a man that the pastor told me we needed to pray for and try to visit. We visited him, no interest at all. And uh, one night, during the, near, near the end of the meeting, he came to church. And God's Spirit began to move in his heart. When the invitation was given, he came forward and I thought, well, that man is lost. Praise God, he's getting saved. You know what he said to the preacher? He said, preacher, I was saved 40 years ago. 40 years ago, I never did anything about it. I never confessed it. I never joined the church. I never was baptized. In all these years, I've doubted my salvation. But tonight, the Holy Spirit reminded me of that moment years ago when I gave my heart to Christ. He was restored, and he's going on with God. Some of you will remember Ms. Data Vaughn, one of the most precious ladies that our church ever had. She's in heaven tonight. When I first came to Bowling Green, she worked at the hospital. I spoke to her many times about her faith in Christ. She said she wasn't saved. I went to her house, sat on the porch with her, showed her from the Bible how to be saved. We prayed. She asked the Lord to come into her heart. Got through praying, said nothing happened. One day in our service back in the old auditorium, I was preaching on a subject similar to this. And that lady then in her 60s, she went to heaven when she was over 90. But that lady came walking down the aisle and she had a smile on her face. She said, preacher, I was saved years ago, but I never told anybody, never was baptized, never joined the church. But she said, today, God reminded me of that experience I had. And he said to my heart, you're saved. She said, I came tonight to follow the Lord in baptism and to take a stand for God. And we didn't have a more faithful lady for years and years. And when we started Glendale Chapel, she went down there and helped us. And she was faithful to Jesus until God took her home. Failure to obey the Lord leads you to doubt your salvation. There's a last reason, and I'll be through. The fact that you never have been saved. Some people go through life thinking that some experience they had years ago was it. 
but they never had any joy, never had any fellowship with God. There was always that question, that cloud, that doubt. I'm not really sure, I'm not really sure. The best thing I know to do is to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, years ago I, I had some kind of experience. I don't know whether it was real or not. But Lord, if it wasn't real, I want to make it real now. If it was real, I want to renew it. But I'm going to remove all doubts. I'm going to confess you as my personal Savior, follow you in baptism, and live for you. And then there's joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. We had a precious person in our church years ago that had that problem. Years before, they had made a profession of faith. They were never really sure it was real. They didn't tell me about it, but I could tell there was some kind of a problem in the life. Sometimes in a service, uh, there would be tears. Sometimes um, that person would come and rededicate his life to Jesus. Sometimes he'd come and say, I don't know what's wrong with me, but God told me to come down here. Never did really understand. One night, when we preached on John 3.16, he came forward. He said, Preacher, I was never saved before. I was a church member, but never saved. I want to trust Christ as my Savior. We both knelt there and cried. I thought the man was a Christian. He said, No, I was never was saved. And now he goes on serving the Lord. How do you know you're going to heaven? Simply trusting Jesus. That's it. There isn't any mystery about it. It's not some great bright light experience. Just simply saying, Lord, here I am. I give myself to you. I was under conviction in the church where I go, went when I was a boy. And I've told you before, in those days, the ladies wore great big hats. And I'd try to hide behind a hat. And uh, the preacher was a little, he had a little bony finger and he'd preach, he'd reach out there with his little bony finger. Some had always crooked and got over that lady's hat, landed right on my heart. And I'd leave and I'd say, I'm not gonna go back. That preacher disturbs me, doesn't make me feel good. And I'd leave. The next Sunday I'd come back because God was touching my heart. On Sunday night, they were singing, he had preached, and I don't know what he preached, they were singing, and they were singing, Jesus is tenderly calling you home. And I bowed my head and I said, Lord, I wanna be saved, but I'm afraid of all these people. And it seemed like Jesus said, Richard, if you'll take the first step, I'll go with you the rest of the way. I took a step out into the aisle, I was on that side of the auditorium, and on the way down, Jesus came into my heart. I don't know was that step of faith or what it was. When I got down here, I said, Preacher, I've been saved. I've trusted Christ. We didn't kneel and pray or anything else. I just said, I'm trusting Christ. I've been saved ever since. Not because I'm good. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. In this flesh dwelleth no good thing. I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. He did the same thing for you. And you can know you're going to heaven. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much that Jesus paid it all 
All to him we owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Help us to know tonight that it's not some mysterious, mystical experience. It's simply trusting Christ. And we know that no one can come unless the Holy Spirit draws him. The Holy Spirit can make that real in our hearts. We pray that tonight the Spirit of God would do his work. That someone who is without Christ will come to Christ. And some who have doubted will get those doubts settled. And some who have professed their faith in Christ would come tonight to follow Jesus in baptism. Have thine own way in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. What are we singing? Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Will you come to him tonight? If you've been saved and need to be baptized tonight, you ought to come now. If you've never been saved, come tonight. If you had doubts, you want those doubts removed, come. Let's get them settled tonight while we sing.